0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who opens our eyes in blessed faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Here a portion of our epistle lesson, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his own wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So far our text. Well, the world has gone crazy. This is nothing new. And we see how far we've fallen from God's holy will and purposes and attempt to reckon how we're to judge the times that we're living in. And and as we do that, one good indicator is marriage we see from the world around us that we've fallen pretty far when we ask the questions of, what do people think about marriage? What do people think that it is? How important is it to people in this world? And these important questions that we should be looking at, even evaluating in ourselves, not just because we want to return to some vestige of normalcy that we think we had, in the 20th century where life may be made just a tiny bit more sense than it does today but because marriage is important to God sadly we know the answers to a lot of these questions as we look at the world around us as the recent respect for marriage act which forces state to acknowledge and support homosexual marriage is the only the latest demonstration of how our society has done violence so the institute of marriage, after decades of no-fault divorce, uh, unmarried co- cohabitation, and the celebrations of all sorts of sexual inhibitions, none of this cultural progress concerning marriage changes how God teaches us to see it. That's part of how God ordered his creation, how he created human beings in his own image, More importantly, it's a symbol of God's great love for us and the work of redemption that he works out for us. All of that is bound up in marriage. This morning, our Lord Jesus goes to a wedding. There he honors a newly joined couple, a man and a woman, with his very first miracle. Marriage matters to Jesus, and he does not want us to see it any other way that is important honorable and blessed. He doesn't want dishonor to fall upon this sacred institution, and that's because of who and what marriage is meant to represent. It is a divine institution. When Jesus was questioned about marriage and divorce, he goes back to the creation. First, he wants us to think about marriage as God made it to exist in Adam and Eve. He says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male And female, and said that whoever therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. What does it mean to become one flesh, other than that God has joined two entire lives into one? They are not separate. They are to live as one. They are bound together in good times and in bad times. And they are to love one another, care for one another's needs, support and encourage one another, share in joy, share in pleasure. And they are to be so blessed, they are to raise children. As God says, after he created Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over everything that moves on the earth. This is built into the very creation that we live in as a good and beautiful thing. God desires this good and beautiful thing be honored by his creatures. That's why he commands in Hebrews, Let the marriage bed be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. God gives us a beautiful gift in marriage and sexuality and the union between male and female. And he does not want it to be defiled. That's what the passage says. The word undefiled in the Greek is really the word that you would use for unsoiled. He doesn't want marriage to be soiled, made into something filthy, He desires that it be kept pure according to His good and perfect intentions. God creates a beautiful image. He makes this perfect and wonderful union between Adam and Eve. And as God gives this beautiful image, man's inclination is to soil it. He makes it all about sex or all about pleasure, all about money, all about immediate gratification... As man defiles the marriage bed, when he treats it marriage as anything other than a treasure and a gift from God. When we talk about marriage irreverently, when spouses publicly insult each other, when marriage is treated like something that is simple, unimportant, or just plain common, rather than something God has honored and adorned as precious and holy in his word, well, we are defiling a good and perfect gift. God has given marriage as a blessing. He has ordered his creation around it. And how does he order it? Well, man and woman are joined together for life. And in that union, a stable, blessed environment is created for children to be raised and cared for by a mother and a father. Families are centered around that reality. A husband and wife can be a father and a mother. And these families, led by fathers and mothers, are actually the central building blocks of every institution in human life. Even the church, in a very earthly, tangible way, is dependent on families living in their vocations. And when families falter, the church struggles. When a man and a wife decide that they don't want to be married anymore, and one of the two parties commonly will fall out of the church, when fathers decide that it's not important to teach their children the faith and be providers for their families, children tend to fall away from the church when they grow up. Society as a whole suffers when marriage is not honored. And I think this is pretty self-evident today as we look at the trends in the issues of our culture around us, fatherlessness and motherlessness has caused several generations of children to experience a listless and insecure existence. Several generations do not even understand the distinctions now in our society between male and female, let alone life, vocation, well-ordered and appropriate love and the fatherly and divine nature of God himself. This misunderstanding of marriage hurts people. And I've not even begun to touch the effects of homosexuality, transgenderism, and all the painful effects they have on children, society, and in the church. They're not just earthly troubles that only have to do with sex, but they are spiritual attacks designed by the evil one to sow confusion into humanity. The devil wants to tear down what God has instituted. He has gladly taken hold of things like marital dysfunction, no-fault divorce, sexual perversion, internet pornography, and a number of other things to attack this sacred institution because he wants it destroyed, twisted, and warped. So now people don't even see the point in marriage. They say, why get married? It's just an old, made-up institution that we don't need anymore. It's just a piece of paper— It was constructed to subjugate women and build up tyrannical men. Why not just live outside of marriage? And if it doesn't work out, hey, we'll just split up. We'll go our separate ways. Why does that happen? Well, it builds life upon uncertainty. Everything becomes unstable. It hurts. Just think of it. The person you love wants to be sure that there's a way out of the relationship if the pleasure and the fun begin to wane out. That's a constructive relationship. Is that really the person you want to be joined to? Yet we are so easily duped. Whatever God makes to be good and beautiful, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh, they love to destroy. It should never be that way among you though, dear Christians. You have more than just creation to shine a glorious light on God's institution of marriage. That, that should be enough. Now we have the beautiful image of God's redemption of sinners shining in and through God's gift of marriage. That's what St. Paul's talking about in our epistle lesson today. Here Paul speaks on marriage and makes it honorable and beautiful. What does he point to? Well, he points to the image of Christ loving his Christian church. Here we have an unworthy and, frankly, quite ugly bride being loved in such a way that she is made worthy and beautiful. And all this love is returned, and the bridegroom is given greater honor. That is the mystical and spiritual union between Christ and his church. Jesus comes as the bridegroom in order to claim his bride, but there's a problem. You see, his bride's been messing around with somebody else. You see, everybody born of Adam is born in sin. People sin daily. And sin, properly understood, is a rejection of God. It's a denial of Christ. It's a perversion or an inversion of God's will for his creatures. And so we've become so enslaved to sin, and sin owns the bride. And that's what Jesus means when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And so what does Jesus come to do? He comes to free his bride from her bondage. And how does he do it? Well, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, as he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, make her holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the words, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus claims his bride back from sin, By giving himself up for her, he dies. He sees the sin, the filth, the bondage to evil, and every other thing that plagues her, and he says, no, you can't have her. I love her. I will not hand her over to these things. I will do what I must. I will give everything I can so that my beloved is not destroyed by her own wickedness. And so God comes down. He comes to claim his bride back from the sin and evil that would possess her. He purifies her. She would be defiled. She would be soiled. She would be destroyed. But what does he do? He washes her. He cleanses her with his blood. He dies for her to make her pure, to make her presentable, to make her holy and beautiful. He gives himself over to death. This is the love that Christ has for his bride. And this beautiful union between Christ and his church can only exist in this way. The Holy One cannot be bound to our filthiness, our unholiness, and our sin. And so what does he do? He gives everything to make his bride holy to him. He forgives her. That's what Christ does for his Christians. And that truly is the hallmark of Christian marriage. It is that Christ forgives his bride. This cleansing is a continual one. That's what we receive today in church. It's the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is cleansing his bride so that she's made beautiful in his sight. One of my favorite quotes about marriage is from Martin Luther. And he talks about this exact text. He says, the sin and the shortcomings which are still in us cannot harm us. The devil cannot accuse us. The law will not damn us. Death will not kill us. For Christ stands in front of us saying, leave my bride in peace. If there is any shortcoming in her, I will make up for it. If she's not beautiful and pure, I will make her beautiful and pure. If she doesn't matter to you and you don't like her, that doesn't matter to me. It's enough that I like her. For I have chosen and cleansed her for myself, and I continually cleanse her daily by the word and through holy baptism. If she still has sin in her, if she has death or any other shortcoming, I have the remedy of righteousness, life, and all my eternal possessions, and with them I will adorn her so that she may possess them as her own and be beautiful. So what do we think about that? What do we bring to this arrangement? Sin? Filth, wickedness, Jesus takes it all and washes it away from us. He dies, so that it doesn't stick to you any longer. And what does he give? Forgiveness, eternal life, purity, dignity, and love. This is the greatest honor to marriage that God can give. He honors his institution by entering into it with his church. As those who are bound mystically and eternally to Christ in this spiritual marriage, we must show honor and reverence to earthly marriage. That must be done first as husbands and wives honor, serve, and most importantly, forgive each other. Men, husbands, you've been given the duty to love, honor, provide for, and protect your bride. Do as God has gifted you, and most especially, lead your brides to Jesus. Act as an earthly image of Christ by giving glory and honor to your God and your household, and speak of your wives the same way that Christ speaks of you. As a pastor and as a man, I've heard way too many annoying wife comments. Talk to your wife the same way that Christ talks to you. Christ does not publicly dishonor us, and when he speaks to us, it's in a loving, tender, and gracious way. Do this for your wife. Wives, you've been called to honor, love, and submit to your husbands. Do as God has gifted you. Support him. Help him. Encourage him in his duty. Hold him accountable to this calling to lead your household toward Christ. Where he may be weak, support him and encourage him. Speak about your husband in the same way that you would speak about Jesus. I've heard enough dumb husband comments in my life, in my ministry. They need to stop. Most importantly, husbands and wives, forgive each other. The small offenses and the big offenses are all forgivable. Christ has not hesitated to remove your sin from you show the same honor to your spouse by putting their sins away and choosing to forget them don't bring them up all the time don't put them away in the back pocket so in the case that an argument might arise with your spouse you can pull it right back out and put it in their face no forgive them understand your spouse's weakness help them care for them encourage their sanctification And do this by living in mercy and forgiveness towards each other. And to those who are not yet married, who know people who are not yet married, who are parents or grandparents, to those who have children who may someday get married, learn to honor marriage while you're still single. Keep the marriage bed pure by not entertaining the world's obsession with sexual immorality. Avoid temptation by not looking at those things that are reserved for marriage. Keep your hearts pure and reserved for your eternal bridegroom, Jesus. And if you think you might get married someday, look for a spouse who will walk with you in Christ. Men, if you're looking for a wife, look for a pious wife. Women, if you are looking for a husband, seek out a faithful wife. Husband, find someone who will walk hand in hand with you in your faith in Jesus. If the person you are dating is pushing you to live together outside of marriage, commit adultery, or violate your Christian conscience in some way, that person is not right for you. Call them to repent or break off the relationship. And if the person you are dating is unwilling to attend church with you, that person is not right for you. Don't marry them. St. Paul says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And that means that a marriage cannot exist if the husband and wife aren't, are going in two completely different directions. One will eventually follow the other, and far too often, it is the Christian that falls away for, falls away for the sake of the unbelieving spouse. Be wise if you choose a spouse. If that spouse will never come into your church, if that spouse will not walk hand in hand to you in faith, if that spouse will not honor your purity before God, you are going to struggle. And if that spouse never comes into your life, if you do not find that person you wish to marry, trust in God and rejoice still in the mystical marriage that you have with Christ because Christ has still shown you great favor and love by making you a member of his bride. Above all, though, remember there is redemption for our fallen lives. In this world that defiles marriage and corrupts hearts, Christ has come. He has shown us greater honor than we deserve by making us holy. Marriage is an expression of what it means to be made in the image of God. And God has put that image in you. First, according to creation, God has made us to be in relationship with each other. In marriage, we are joined to another person in a creative and beautiful way. And that's the same image of God that we have and he has within himself as the three persons of the Trinity all live together in perfect unity to sustain and preserve everything in the entire creation. So it is with man and wife. They live in a procreative union where they strive to sustain and preserve everything a home. And more importantly, marriage is an expression of the image of God that has been restored to you in Christ. Christ has given himself for his bride to make her holy, and we see the perfect image of marital love. It is a person who loves their God-given spouse so that they encourage them toward holiness, that they sacrifice for the sake of their purity, that they live in love toward one another, what stands at the center of this is faith in Jesus. Jesus alone makes us holy. Jesus alone truly forgives and retains and removes sins from our hearts. Don't be like the world. The world loves ugly marriages, where husbands and wives bicker and defame each other, where they twist the order of male and female, where they divide what God has put together. The world delights in insulting God and his holy institution. You are not of the world. You belong in the kingdom of heaven. You bear the image of Christ as a baptized child of God. You have been made into the very bride of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Honor, marriage. Rejoice in your bridegroom who has given himself over to death to redeem us from our sins and make us presentable in his sight. Husbands, love your wife. Sacrifice for her. Speak tenderly and mercifully to her. Demonstrate and prove your love to her in the way that Christ has demonstrated and proven his love to you. Wives... Respect and honor your husbands. Treat him, even in his fallenness, as the Christ of your household, as the one who loves you and cares for you. And in his weakness, encourage him to live in that role and that calling. You who are single, unmarried, trust in God, honor marriage in your life And your conduct and rejoice that christ has bound himself to you in the waters of holy baptism but above all each and every one of you live in the grace of christ who has restored us to himself by loving us even to the point of death live live in that costly bought forgiveness of sins both in receiving forgiveness here in god's holy church and in giving Forgiveness amongst each other, and in that we will show great honor to our God, as He has honored the divine institution of marriage and His first miracle, and in all the work that He has done in creation and in our redemption. Let us honor this gift as well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to honor Your institution of holy marriage. Help husbands and wives to live in harmony and grace according to your good and gracious will. And subvert all attempts to drive man and wife away from each other. And help all of your dear Christians to rejoice in marriage as an image of your redemption for us poor sinners. And in this, stir up true joy in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith to life everlasting in the name of Jesus. Amen. We rise.